Welcome to Quanta Magazine's podcast. Each episode, we bring you stories about developments in science and mathematics. I'm Susan Vallett. Humans have always entertained two basic theories about the origin of the universe. There's the single moment of creation theory, which you hear about in the Jewish and Christian religions. Then there's the idea that the universe is eternal and ongoing, with an infinite series of cycles like the Babylonians and Egyptians believed. Today, the former rules among cosmologists in the form of the Big Bang Theory. But now, some cosmologists are revisiting the alternative eternal cycle idea. Could it be that instead of a Big Bang, there was a Big Bounce? The Big Bang Theory became the standard in science textbooks after astronomers observed that the cosmos is expanding and that it was small and simple about 14 billion years ago. In the most popular modern version of the theory, the Big Bang began with an episode called cosmic inflation. That's when a tiny speck of space-time is thought to have suddenly burst into a smooth, flat, macroscopic cosmos. It then expanded more gently afterward. This is known as an inflationary model. It has a single initial ingredient called the inflaton field. Inflationary models reproduce many broad-brush features of the cosmos today. But as an origin story, inflation is lacking. It raises questions about what preceded it and where that initial inflaton-laden speck came from. Still, many theorists think the inflaton field must fit naturally into a more complete, though still unknown, theory of time's origin. Cosmic inflation also has a controversial consequence. The theory almost automatically leads to the hypothesis that our universe is a random bubble in an infinite multiverse sea. Once inflation starts, calculations suggest that it keeps going forever, stopping only in local pockets that then blossom into bubble universes like ours. The possibility of an eternally inflating multiverse suggests that our particular bubble might never be fully understandable on its own terms. That's because everything that can possibly happen in a multiverse happens infinitely many times. Experts disagree on this. Paul Steinhardt, who helped pioneer the original theory in the 1980s, calls the multiverse hogwash. But many have reconciled themselves to the idea that our universe could be just one of many. In the inflation scenario, an initial speck measuring no more than a trillionth of a trillionth of a centimeter across expands exponentially. It grows to about the size of an M&M and then slows down. As long as that speck was infused with an inflaton field that was smooth and flat, meaning its energy concentration didn't fluctuate across time or space, the speck would have inflated into a huge, smooth universe like ours. If during this explosive growth phase there was a buildup of energy that bent space-time in a certain place, inflation would have quickly smoothed it back out. Raman Sundrum is a theoretical physicist at the University of Maryland. You take an idea, you accept the idea. You don't ask why, this, why is this your story rather than some completely different story. You accept the story and you push it around. You know, when you take scientific ideas and you're comparing ideas, you'd like to push the ideas around a little bit. And I would say you take inflation and you push it around a little bit and you see that it has a kind of fault tolerance built in. 
right? So if the fault is that you violate Pythagoras' theorem, if that's what's called a fault, then you see that if you violate it during inflation, actually the violation goes away if you let inflation run. That's the fault tolerance that I appreciate greatly in terms of inflation. That's often what I look for in a theory. I think that raises it to the level of why not give it a whirl and check its experimental predictions. Sundrum says you make small changes against what you see in the data, and you see a return to the behavior that the data suggests. He says the thing he appreciates about the inflation theory is that it has a kind of fault tolerance built in. But no one knows exactly where that tiny speck came from and why it came out so smooth and flat itself to begin with. Theorists have found many possible ways to embed the inflaton field into string theory, a candidate for the underlying quantum theory of gravity. So far, there's no evidence for or against these ideas. More recently, a growing number of cosmologists have cautiously revisited the alternative to cosmic inflation. They say the Big Bang might instead have been a big bounce. Some cosmologists favor a picture in which the universe expands and contracts in cycles, like a lung. Every time it shrinks to a certain size, it bounces back. Others propose that the cosmos bounced just once. In that story, it had been contracting before the bounce and now will continue to expand forever. In either model, time continues into the past and future without end. With modern science, there's hope of settling this ancient debate. In the years ahead, telescopes could find definitive evidence for cosmic inflation. If the primordial growth spurt happened, there'd be evidence of quantum ripples in the fabric of space-time. They would have become stretched and later imprinted as subtle swirls in the polarization of ancient light called the cosmic microwave background. Current and future telescope experiments are hunting for these swirls. So let's say no one sees them in the next couple of decades. That still won't entirely disprove inflation. It may be that the telltale swirls are simply too faint to make out. But a lack of swirls would strengthen the case for bounce cosmology, which doesn't predict the swirl pattern. Several groups are already making progress. Most significantly, in the last year, physicists have come up with two new ways that bounces could conceivably occur. One of the models is described in a paper in the Journal of Cosmology and Astroparticle Physics. It's by Anna Ejas of Columbia University. The model extends earlier work with her former advisor, Paul Steinhardt, a high-profile bounce cosmologist at Princeton. The other new bounce solution was published in Physical Review D. It's by Peter Graham, David Kaplan, and Sergi Rajendran. They're a well-known trio of collaborators who mainly focus on particle physics questions and have no previous connection to the bounce cosmology community. It's a noteworthy development in a field that's highly polarized on the bang versus bounce question. Let's rewind to 2001, when the bounce question came back to the forefront. Steinhardt and three other cosmologists argued that a period of slow contraction in the history of the universe could explain its exceptional smoothness and flatness today, even after a bounce. There'd be no need for a period of inflation. This avoids the multiverse scenario, something that bothered Steinhardt and other researchers. Neil Turok of the Perimeter Institute for Theoretical Physics in Waterloo, Ontario, explains why the bouncing models don't have a period of inflation. Instead, they paste on 
a period before the Big Bang, a period of contraction. But you see, during that contraction, so let's just take that centimeter-sized patch and follow it backwards in time during the contracting phase. Mm -hmm. And so let's go back to the time when it was 100 times bigger. So it's now a, a meter across. And let's assume this expansion was at the speed of light. And so there was plenty of time for the material in the universe to communicate during that prior phase. Mm -hmm. And so just as the gas in the room you're sitting in is completely uniform, and that's just the statistical effect that we have all these molecules of air banging around and they tend to spread themselves out and make themselves uniform. So in exactly the same way, one could say that, that during a contracting phase of the universe, normal physics, which operates causally, and nothing moves faster than the speed of light, but there's plenty of time, and the universe is quite big, and it may be contracting very slowly, mm-hmm. and that gives you plenty of time for the universe to smooth itself out during that phase before the bounce and before the bang. The first contracting universe models were convoluted and flawed, but many researchers became convinced of the basic idea that slow contraction can explain many features of our expanding universe. Steinhardt says the bottleneck became literally the bottleneck, the bounce itself. Bouncing isn't easy. In the 1960s, the British physicists Roger Penrose and Stephen Hawking proved a set of so-called singularity theorems. They showed that under very general conditions, contracting matter and energy will unavoidably crunch into an immeasurably dense point called a singularity. These theorems make it hard to imagine how a contracting universe in which space, time, matter, and energy are all rushing inward could possibly avoid collapsing all the way down to a singularity. That's a point where Albert Einstein's classical theory of gravity and space-time breaks down and the unknown quantum gravity theory rules. Why shouldn't a contracting universe share the same fate as a massive star, which dies by shrinking to the singular center of a black hole? Both of the newly proposed bounce models exploit loopholes in the singularity theorems, ones that for many years seemed like dead ends. Bounce cosmologists have long recognized that bounces might be possible if the universe contained a substance with negative energy or other sources of negative pressure. That would counteract gravity and essentially push everything apart. They've been trying to exploit this loophole since the early 2000s, but they always found that adding negative energy ingredients made their models of the universe unstable. Positive and negative energy quantum fluctuations could spontaneously arise together, unchecked, out of the zero-energy vacuum of space. In 2016, the Russian cosmologist Valery Rubikov and his colleagues even proved a no-go theorem that seemed to rule out a huge class of bounce mechanisms on the grounds that they caused these so-called ghost instabilities. Then Columbia University's Anna Ejas found a bounce mechanism that evades the no-go theorem. The key ingredient in her model is a simple entity called a scalar field. According to her idea, that field would have kicked into gear as the universe contracted and energy became highly concentrated. 
The scalar field would have braided itself into the gravitational field in a way that exerted negative pressure on the universe. This would have reversed the contraction and driven space-time apart without destabilizing everything. Some consider Ijaz's paper as the best attempt to remove all of the possible instabilities, creating a stable model. What's especially interesting about the two new bounce models is that they are non-singular. That means the contracting universe bounces and starts expanding again before ever shrinking to a point. These bounces can therefore be fully described by the classical laws of gravity. They don't require speculation about gravity's quantum nature. Remember Peter Graham, David Kaplan, and Sergei Rajendran, the researchers behind one of the new bounce solution ideas? They reported their non-singular bounce idea on the scientific preprint site archive.org last September. They initially wondered whether a previous contraction phase in the history of the universe could be used to explain the value of the cosmological constant. That's a mystifyingly tiny number that defines the amount of dark energy infused in the space-time fabric. This energy drives the accelerating expansion of the universe. That initial exploration led them to their new bounce idea. In working out the hardest part, the bounce, the trio exploited a second, largely forgotten loophole in the singularity theorems. They were inspired by a characteristically strange model of the universe proposed by the logician Kurt Gödel in 1949 when he and Albert Einstein were walking companions and colleagues at the Institute for Advanced Study in Princeton, New Jersey. Gödel used the laws of general relativity to construct his theory of a rotating universe. In his theory, the spinning keeps the universe from gravitationally collapsing in much the same way that Earth's orbit prevents it from falling into the sun. Gödel especially liked the fact that his rotating universe permitted closed time-like curves, essentially loops in time. To his dying day, he eagerly awaited evidence that the universe really is rotating in the manner of his model. Researchers now know it isn't. Otherwise, the cosmos would exhibit alignments and preferred directions. But Graham and his fellow researchers wondered about small, curled-up spatial dimensions that might exist in space. You know, like the six extra dimensions postulated by string theory. Could a contracting universe spin in those directions? Graham says, imagine there's just one of these curled-up extra dimensions, a tiny circle found at every point in space. So it's just a small little circle at each point in space. You know, there's an extra direction you can go. You can go in the fourth spatial direction, but you can only go a tiny little distance, and then you come back to where you started, basically. The classic picture of this that people like to draw, you can't think in more than three spatial dimensions, of course, but imagine we were just little ants living on a one-dimensional line, and that was one big dimension. If you were to add a little circle, you know, picture if you zoom way in and you could really see the extra dimension, that line would actually look like a little tube, a little cylinder. So you could, you know, you could walk down the pipe or you could walk sort of around the edge of the cylinder. That would be the extra dimension. If there are at least three extra compact dimensions, then as the universe contracts, matter and energy can start spinning inside them. And the dimensions themselves will spin with the matter and energy. The vortices in the extra dimensions can suddenly initiate a bounce. Graham describes it as a gravitational slingshot. You have some satellite traveling at, you know, if you're going to gravitational slingshot around 
the Earth or around Mars. There's some satellite traveling at this planet. And if it was traveling directly at it, it would just hit it, and that's no good. So you have it traveling a little bit off, and it gets closer and closer, and it really speeds up because of the planet's gravity. But then it whips around this thing but doesn't quite hit it, and then flies way off, right? Mm -hmm. That's sort of the picture that because you had a little bit of angular momentum, a little bit of impact parameter, you missed forming a singularity, and instead you expand again. Graham says think of it in terms of the universe. So when the universe collapses to form a singularity, think of like all the matter in it, whatever it is, whether it's stuff, dust, planets, or photons, or hot gas, or whatever it is, it's all crunching in. And, and in fact, you know, famously, the singularity theorems say that no matter what it is, it's all going to keep crunching, and all, just, all the gravity is going to be so strong to overcome any repulsion, and it's going to all crunch down and form this singularity, and then we don't know what happens. So we'd say it's kind of everything, all that stuff that would have been crunched to form a singularity, now because it's spinning in the extra dimensions, it misses, sort of like this gravitational slingshot. It, it has a little bit of angular momentum, so it never crunches all the way. So all the stuff, it would have been all coming into a single point, but it doesn't. It misses and flies back out again. The paper by Graham and his colleagues has attracted attention beyond the usual circle of bounce cosmologists. Among those interested, Sean Carroll, a theoretical physicist at the California Institute of Technology. He's skeptical, but calls the idea very clever. Carroll says it's important to develop alternatives to the conventional inflation story, even if it's just to see how much better inflation appears by comparison. That's especially important when next-generation telescopes come online in the early 2020s to look for inflation's telltale swirl pattern in the sky. Carroll says while he thinks inflation has a good chance of being right, he wishes there were more competitors. Others agree the idea is worth throwing everything at, even if there's only a small chance of succeeding. As Graham, Kaplan, and Rajendran explore their bounce and its possible experimental signatures, the next step is to develop computer simulations. That's what Anna Ejas and Paul Steinhardt are working on with Franz Pretorius of Princeton. Just a quick note, their collaboration is supported by the Simons Foundation, which also funds Quantum Magazine and this podcast. Both bounce mechanisms also need to be integrated into more complete, stable cosmological models that would describe the entire evolutionary history of the universe. Beyond these non-singular bounce solutions, other researchers are speculating about what kind of bounce might occur when a universe contracts all the way to a singularity. Perhaps the bounce is orchestrated by the unknown quantum laws of gravity, which replace the usual understanding of space and time at extremely high energies. Neil Turok and his collaborators plan to propose a model in which the universe expands symmetrically into the past and future away from a central singular bounce. My current picture of the universe is there was this big bang and literally a two-sided universe came out of it, mm. expanding in both directions. Mm -hmm. The analog I draw is with particle creation, you know, so we do know from standard physics, quantum physics and relativity, that you can create particles when there are no particles. So, for example, if you turn on a very strong electric field, mm -hmm. when it exceeds a certain strength, you will literally pull an electron out of the vacuum. Mm -hmm. But when you do that, it inevitably comes along with a positron, a positively charged electron. It's antiparticle. And so you pair create the electron and the positron. And so our new model of the cosmos is actually a pair creation of a universe where on both sides of the Big Bang, 
you get an expanding universe coming out. Turok points to theoretical physicist Richard Feynman. Who pointed out that when you pair create, you can look at the positron, the positively charged particle, you can look at it as an electron going backwards in time. So basically you have these two particles, but they're really the same particle. What happened is, you know, at any moment of time, you'll see two particles, one positively and one negatively charged. But if you ask, where were they before that? Well, you know, they were nearer and together. And then at a certain moment of time, they merged into one and they annihilated. That's going backwards in time. To go forwards in time, we see that they appeared as a pair and then separated. But the positron is viewed as an electron going backwards in time, and then the electron is, of course, going forward in time. So it's only because we look at the world at a single moment of time that we see two particles. Turok calls it a deep idea, and he expects that most likely the Big Bang will turn out to be similar to a pair creation event. He pictures a universe and its anti-universe being drawn out of nothing by the presence of matter. It remains to be seen whether his universe-anti-universe bounce model can accommodate all observations of the cosmos, but Turok likes how simple it is. So rather than the universe appearing to be chaotic and random on large scales, it looks extremely ordered and symmetrical and simple. So that's very exciting for theorists because it tells us that even if hard to discover, there may be a simple theory waiting to be discovered. Which he says will explain the most paradoxical features of the universe. Michelle Yoon helped with this episode. I'm Susan Vallett. For more on this story, read Natalie Wolchover's full article, How the Universe Got Its Bounce Back, on our website, quantamagazine.org. Also, the MIT Press is publishing two quanta books, Alice and Bob Meet the Wall of Fire and The Prime Number Conspiracy. Order them now at Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, or your local bookstore.